Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Guess what time it is, Doc? Guess what time it is? 3.13. It's time for another episode of We Do Recover. You are not being literal about the time. I'm way too literal. (laughs) It is time for another episode of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Friday afternoons, baby. Hopefully you guys... Friday. Friday is my favorite day. (laughs) So... We're, yeah, that's a new part of our podcast. We're going to sing to you guys every week. We're 30 seconds in. We're already sideways in this thing. Episode yeah, 85 is underway. For episode 85, it's going to be all about Cassie Barraras. She's come on. She's our guest. She's going to come on to share her journey from active addiction into a life of recovery. I'm super excited for this one. Yeah, what about you, Doc? Fun. Yeah, this will be fun. Before we get to her, though, Cassie, how are you doing today? Good. Good, good. Thanks I just wanted me. the listeners to know that you were actually here. <laughs> I'm actually here. Yeah. Fantastic. Cassie's here. We got a few housekeeping items first, and then we'll get to Cassie's beautiful story. Yeah, let's get to those. So, episode 85, part one, is brought to us by our lovely sponsors, Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Center is ready to help you or a loved one get help as soon as you're ready to reach out. Mm. How you reach out to them is by giving them a call at 801 801- 800-8142, or you can go to their website, that's stepsrc.com. You can live chat with somebody. Again, they're a pretty amazing program. They have you from start to finish. They have detox, inpatient, outpatient, aftercare. So be sure to reach out, get a hold of them. We love Steps. Thank you for, thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Yep, Steps is good to us. Sweet. And we love them. It's been a minute since you've been in the studio, Doc. Uh, a couple of weeks. I don't think Cassie. Well, I, think. I don't think Cassie knows about our new and goods. You well, ask her what's we're new about good? to introduce her. I don't think we usually start off with the guest though, because that's. Um, you're right. You're right. So that okay. stuns the guest a little bit. <laughs> let's let's start out with. So uh, we always start with new and goods. So uh, little positive somehow, psychology. Since somehow you turned it over to me, or at least I stole it from you, I'm going to ask you. What's new and good, Jared Miller? So I pass the ball to you, and you just pass it right back. Uh, I think so. I, well, I stole <laughs> I stole the ball and then passed it back. Yeah, okay, I'll tell right. you what's new and good in my life if you want, but you can tell me first. What's new and good Your in my new life? Your new and good is way more important than mine. So, the past week, Mandy and I are in the process of attempting to have a, a child. Mm-hmm. So we're going through the Utah Fertility Clinic. We're going to give them a little free sponsorship here. You're also going to give them a bunch of your money. Uh, yeah, like twenty G's, and I'm not, I'm not, not exactly cheap. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to jam on Utah Fertility Clinic. This stuff is expensive if you're going through fertility treatments. But the new and the good, okay, is hopefully by this time next year, there will be, be a, a little Miller. There will be a little Miller. <laughs> that's a scary thought. Huh? The world needs some more little Millers. Yeah, so I that's think, my new and good I doc. <laughs> I would love to see you raising a kid. I think that'll be fun to watch. How about you, buddy? What's new and good in your world? Uh, well, I drove down here. I got off to a late, much later start than I intended to, and so I was driving kind of fast Weird. and got down here, but I made it okay, and everything's good. Uh, it is, I've had this sort of as a new and good before, but this one's a tiny bit different. It's at the time of year where there's a lot of fundraising golf tournaments, which uh, everyone knows already. My favorite hobby is golf. So we had the Wasatch Recovery host a fundraising tournament, and it was yesterday... And um, we played terrible. We lost by a bunch. That's not important, though. Did they raise some funds? They raised a bunch of money. Yeah, and they do a really nice tournament. Nice. So they had a bunch of nice sponsors and everything. But uh, I'll give you the bad before the good, and then I'll give you the good. <laughs> there's a there. It's at Thanksgiving Point, and there's this really weird area where there's a bike trail that goes through the golf course. And the bike trail is kind of coming down a hill, and then it turns a corner, and the cart path cuts across the bike trail right there. Okay. There's a stop sign for the cart path. I'm driving. And totally ignoring the stop sign. Nope. I stopped. Okay. I looked. I didn't see anybody. I pull out. This guy comes screaming down around this corner on his bike. 
and I hit him, and he did a full flip, landed on his head, finished on his back, jacked up his bike. It was like... It was terrible. Did I you was, jump out of the cart and yell, it's uh, okay, I'm a doctor? Or were you like worried about well, like you, lawsuits? You don't actually announce that initially because they start seeing dollar <laughs> signs. And the truth is I'm the brokest doctor on the planet. <laughs> but um, I did. we stopped and we helped him out. He was a PA, it turns out. He was fine. Uh, it's going to cost me a little for the bike. I jacked up his bike a little bit. but mm. So we go on to the golf tournament. I lost my phone on the course. So it's a terrible tournament. Things over. We finished third to last. At the end of all these tournaments, they have these prize giveaways, and they have raffles and stuff. I got drawn for a 72-inch TV. <laughs> you got a 72-inch TV. Yes, I did. Nice. And so that's my new and good today is everything went crappy for a while, and then all of a sudden I got a 72-inch TV at the end of the tournament. <laughs> hey, man, I'll take it. I was, Congratulations. Yeah, it was good, and it was free. Like The tournament didn't even cost me anything because the Sobriety Foundation sponsored our entry, so that was cool. Love that. Yeah. Shout out to Susan Peterson. That's my stuff. Well, let's go uh, Cassie. Cassie and then Max. Okay. I like it. Cassie. What's new and good in your life? New and good in my life. New, we just got done remodeling our home. So we just moved into that two nights ago. Sweet. So that's really exciting. Where do you live? In Hurricane now. Okay. Did yeah. you hit any pedestrians on the oh, two and from? No. <laughs> We're not, this is not going to be the thing of this podcast, okay? You stop. No. It. I no, two and I from haven't. Home Depot, did you hit anybody on bikes? No, no. Okay. I probably wanted to, you know, but no, I didn't. <laughs> no, it's not fun. Actually, I was shaking for about three holes, so don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty amazing, though, so yeah. re- doing some remodeling. Yeah, so it's all done. We're moved in. Nice. And, you know, good. I woke up another day sober. Yeah, Any I day that. I wake up on my pillow sober is a good day. That's so, good. Listen, yeah. all the details that you and I just talked about are irrelevant if that doesn't happen, right? Very true. If you don't wake up clean mm-hmm. and sober the next day, then whatever happened the day before is not relevant anymore. And yeah. that whatever happens that day won't be relevant either. Well said. Uh, I thought I like that. That's so yep. true. That's a, such an important outlook. All right, podcast over. Great job. Yeah, message, that's, that message done. Spread. Yeah. We're good. We she woke up clean and sober day. She's got another day under her belt. That is the journey of Cassie. <laughs> Max, what are you doing over there? What's new and good in the life of Max Christensen the <laughs> third? Yes, sir. Um, you know, still grinding on football, still doing everything like that, right? Like like the, the summer hasn't really changed for me. Still hosting my my sports radio talk yeah, show. How's the so talk show going? It's going great, man. Good. It's, it's been really, really fun talking about all the different sports. Like I said, we don't just fo- focus on football and basketball. It's we a very wide variety yeah. of sports what we talk about on, on my show. So it's very been really fun. Great experience for me. Um, so yeah, still doing all that. The only thing that's doing good for me is you know this year we know that this is the first year ever that we've celebrated Juneteenth as a yes. national holiday. Yes. And St. George City put on a, a Juneteenth event and they asked me to come speak at it. Whoa! And so, so I, so I, I went and gave a, a twenty minute speech on on the history of Juneteenth, kind of what it means to me, and just being able to to educate people and have open conversations about you know not just me spewing rhetoric or talking about you know you know Juneteenth and what it means to me, but also getting to hear from the people who live in St. George, and because not a lot of people in general around the country have much knowledge about what Juneteenth is. Sure. And so, so the fact that I was able to share that, have open dialogue, really, really get feedback from the St. George community was a great, great experience for me. I would say particularly in Utah, we have maybe less idea what Juneteenth is than, you know, back East where there's a higher population of African-Americans down South where there's a higher population. Um, But it's cool that we're celebrating that. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And then like currently, there's only nine states that even hold it as a state holiday. Oh, really? Yeah, and so and so just to have it as a national holiday, finally, you know, have it recognized and just being able to remember it. And for me, it's 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 not about remembering all the bad, but really looking how far we've come. Yep. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, we're here, we're here in 2022, and I'm able to sit here, run the board for your guys' show. Like that's partly because Juneteenth happened, so I'm very grateful for that. And I just love to look back and see the progress that we've made in this great country that we live in. So good. So that's a great message. MC3, yeah. man. Way to hit it out of the <laughs> yeah. park with yeah. the new and he good. He did knock dude. that out you, of the park. You crushed that. And I, think, it. I think that's an outlook. Like, we spend a lot of time looking back in this country at all the evils that have happened in this country. We're tearing down statues of people that, yeah. mm. right? Forget that. We're, we can't do anything about that right now. Yep. Let's move forward. Let's look forward. Let's do better. Exactly. That's a great message you just brought to us. Appreciate it. Which is kind of a recovery principle, looking for similarities instead of differences. Yes. I feel like and and what we try to do on this podcast, right? Yeah. Be able to the concept is we try not to, and I get caught up in the details for sure. 
We try not to spend way too much emphasis on looking at the bad stuff that happened in your past. And the podcast really wants to be about what does today look like and what does your future look like? Living in the solution. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, good. Cassie. Yeah. That's yeah. why we asked Max the question. That was a good answer from him. That's great. Love Max on the podcast. You got all the nervous jitters out? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. All right, Dr. Sellers, get at her. Who are you? Cassie Barreras. Okay, Cassie Barreras. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about Cassie Barreras. Like right now, who are you? Family? A little bit about your family, maybe? Uh, living situation? What you do for work? That sort of stuff. Yeah, so today I actually hold a job. I've had my job almost three years. Whoa. Love it. What's it's, your job? I'm a waitress at Bishop's in Washington. Okay. I'm not from down here, so I don't know Bishop's, but oh, it's I delicious. see your shirt. Yeah. yeah it's got Bishop's yeah. on it. So. You know, and my work family has become my family oh, yeah, and a huge nice. part of my journey and my sobriety. That's nice. Yeah. So I love. So you include them in your journey. Absolutely. They all know yeah. your story yeah. and your stuff. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Which that family is important to you? Because we're going to get to your story and, and I know family is important to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you've Very been able to find kind of a surrogate family through bishops. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And I've just been able to go in and share with them on a daily where I'm at, the times I've been struggling. You know, I went in there and yeah, they've just supported me and yeah. loved me through all of it. Good to have. Yeah. What kind of food does Bishop serve? It's a mom and pop shop. Okay. So good breakfast, time. lunch, and dinner. Home style cooking. Yep. Kind Home of style stuff. cooking. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Sounds good great. Soul food. Nice plug. Yeah. Nice plug to bishops. <laughs> yeah. Let's all go. All our listeners that are down here in the in the southern southern part of Utah should go to bishops and check it out. You know. You know what's crazy, guys? Is that I I went to bishop for the very first time on Wednesday. So I I just want to sit here and personally vouch. Great food. Okay. Awesome okay. food. So go check it out. You're going to go back to work. If anybody listened, you're going to be a hero here because they got free advertising. <laughs> and Max is the nice. new spokesman. Cool. So All yeah, right, family. So, okay. You know, my kids and my grandkids are in my life. I've got- You can't have grandkids. I you do. You stop that bullcrap. Four right and two. What? And it's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah it's really great. Oh, cool. So have grandkids a, are the best, aren't they? Oh, they are. The best. The best. Yeah. I'm like, it's a whole other love. Because you don't even, <laughs> like to me, I have a number of grandkids, but to me it's like you don't you don't have to care so much about the naughty stuff they do. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just you get just, to love them. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. Love yeah. them and send them back. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's great. Uh, um, who are your grandkids? Tell me to, tell me names if you want to. If you don't, that's fine. Weslin okay. is four. Okay. She's my granddaughter. Okay. And Crew is two. And he's. Just the little cowboy. Too. Yeah. Such and a he cute is <laughs> crew. That's a cute yeah. Westland and crew. Westland and crew. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. How many kids do you have? I have two here on earth and one that's in heaven. Okay. Somebody's waiting for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you want to share that? Yeah. Do you want to share that? How come one's in heaven? Yeah. Um September fourth of twenty twenty. I almost two years ago now. It's almost been two years. Um, Lexi was my middle child. Uh -huh. She was killed in a car accident, uh. a head on collision. I was almost to my one year in sobriety mm. when I got that phone call. Oh, I don't know. I can't imagine the phone call. Yeah. So, still, when you ask how many kids I have, that's a question that still I just. I almost made fun of you because I said, how many kids do you have? And you had, uh, like, you had to contemplate it for a second. And I'm like, you don't know how many kids you have? Now I understand yeah. why you contemplated it, still it for a second. It still just takes my you breath have, away. You have three Absolutely. kids. If we believe that there is a heaven, you have three kids. And I love that answer. And I think we all believe that. Yeah. I think most people believe that. I guess not everybody, but. Yeah. We all believe there's somebody waiting for you in heaven. Yep. Tell me, uh, tell me her name again. Lexi. Lexi. Yep. Okay. It's almost been two years. Almost. So you were sober at the time. Mm-hmm. And did you maintain sobriety through that? I did. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how you do that. I, I yeah. do know how you do that. Let's you ask do her it. how she you did. Do, oh, there you go. Yeah. That's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> Jared, ask her how she did it. That had to be I very, thought of that. That had to be very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. You how, know, does somebody, how does somebody with a year under their belt yeah. that has devastating news like that Pull themselves together and, and stay um, clean, Cassie. You know, I can tell you that the most incredible thing was the conversations me and Lexi had leading up to that. And she had called me seven days before this. And she said, Mom, you talk about reservations. And 
things that might take you back out. Is there anything you think you couldn't get through? And I said, I don't know if I could get through it sober if I lost one of you kids. Oh. Hmm. And she said, Mom, I'm not just saying this for me, but I speak for my brother and my sister too. We have our mom back. Please don't ever pick up a drink or a drug again. And I sat there in that moment and I said, that's a promise I can make, but not for you, not for your brother and sister, but for me, because I deserve to have this life. And in return, you guys get a better mom that you deserve. And the kids get, the grandkids get a grandma. And then she texted it to me. And I said, I can promise. So when I got the phone call, that's all I could hear was that conversation. Mm. And then I looked at my phone and instantly when I got the phone call, um, I was in sober living and I told the girls, I need you to call my sponsor. And I instantly had women surrounding me that were, you know, in recovery. And within an hour, I knew I had to go to a meeting. And so I went to the candlelight meeting and shared exactly where I was at. And the fellowship drug me through when I didn't know how. You know, the days I called and said, I don't know how to do this because I didn't know how to do it. They drug me through and they loved me through it. And that's, that's how I did it. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. That. The thing I, the takeaway I got from that, Cassie, is just the importance of having a support system. Absolutely. You know, I think that's a, a huge cornerstone in, in recovery, especially early recovery is, is had you not had that support system mm -hmm. to lean on, who knows? Right. Maybe, maybe you could have white knuckled it for long enough. But it, yeah. But, but for sure, less likely. Yeah. Yeah, less likely. Yeah, I don't think I could have. I, I, I don't think, and I don't think anyone would have blamed you at that point either. Yeah. That's hard stuff. Well, we brought the podcast right down. Let's uh, move backwards. We got Doc Sellers getting emotional over um, here. Yeah, sorry. I can't. I can't imagine oh, losing a kid. Yeah. Like that's just tough. And I, and it, it makes me cry, but. I don't, um, I don't know how you could do that. The but blessing is, is that I got sober before it happened and I've been able to stay sober and I know without a shadow of a doubt, that's why I got sober. This is like this whole podcast so far has been about perception and outlook on things, right? About how you perceive things and how you sort of turn those negative things into positives. Cause she just finished a story about how her child died. And then she said, the blessing is. Crazy, right? There's a blessing to your child dying. No, there's not. But yes, she comes up with something on the other side that can be used as a positive, which is a great example for everybody out there and me. Absolutely. You know, for, for people to be able to relate, you obviously have mentioned that in recovery means you had a, an addiction. Right. And we don't want to spend a ton of time in active addiction because, again, like Dr. Sellers mentioned, and, and I totally back up and totally love we want to make sure that we're living in the solution. Mm -hmm. But for relatability, what did, what did your addiction basically kind of look like? we got yeah. 10 minutes in this first segment. How did you tell get us, started? Tell us what that looked like. So, you know, I was raised by bikers. and really? Yeah. You know, my whole family's bikers. I was going to say wolves, but bikers <laughs> was about the same thing. <laughs> yeah, about the same. You know, so since I was little, um, drugs and alcohol were just part of it. I didn't even know that there was real people out there that didn't do those things. Um, started drinking at a really young age. I think the first time I ever put a substance in my body was about 10 years old. Mm. Just because um, it was so normalized. Yeah. It was just part of life. What you did. Okay. I, you know, I, like I said, I didn't even know that there was anything other than that. Right. Um, mom was a single mom after parents got divorced. And I just started using more. You know, it started with pot. It started with a lot of alcohol. And then I got in a car accident at 17 and doctor prescribed me pain pills and instantly was addicted. And for a long time, I didn't know I was addicted to them and started with those. And was the car accident at 17, did, did being impaired have anything to do with that? No. Oh, okay. So no, you were sober time. as a jaybird mm -hmm. when you got in the car right. accident. Right. So okay. I got pregnant with my first child at 14. My son was pregnant with Lexi at 15. That's a little bit young, by the way. <laughs> Just a tad bit. 14, I thought girls had cooties. Yeah. It's all making sense, though, when you had right. the shocked look in your face that she was a grandma sitting here with us today. Well, now that, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, so now it adds that's up, That's how right? she's 27 and has grandkids. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is right there. 
So I, you know, I had two kids before I was 16. And I just started. I was married before I was 16. So we had two kids, married, went to high school, you know, and was married to an older man at the time. So at 17, I was just being a mom. And when I got in the car accident is when I got prescribed the pain pills. And it just took off from there. How, tell us how it, so I get how you got pain pills. How'd you continue pain pills? Um, At some point, that excuse of a car accident has to wear right. off for a doctor. Yeah. So then I just started, you know, every excuse you could come up with. My back, this was hurting, went to pain management. You know, um, so it you was. kept getting them from doctors. Kept getting them from doctors. Okay. Yep. And listen, back then, it, w- it's, it wasn't as regulated as it is today. Well, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, like I just had surgery last week to, to try to have a, a child. And I mean, I was, he gave me like five Percocets. I mean, that's it, right? Surgery. Yeah. Right. I mean, so so today they're a way more, you know, regulated, way more, obzo- uh, there's way more oversight, is sure. what I'm trying to say. Right. You know, back we, then, it was like you walk into your doctor's office and say, I'm in pain, and they're like, what do you want? You know yeah. You know what you used to call five Percocets? What's that? The morning snack. Yo, for right. sure. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what you used to use to get out of bed. Yeah. Right. And I've just made fun of using drugs, and I didn't mean to do that, but... Five Percocet is quite tightly oh, yeah. regulated after a surgery. That's sure. pretty crazy. Yeah. Sure, but back in the yeah. day when when you were going through this, I'm sure it wasn't right. quite that regulated. Well, and we've talked about this on the podcast. I don't want to take too much time on my stuff, but I remember people in med school telling us we're not treating pain aggressively enough, and we were taught we need to give out more opiates. Right, right. And that has totally shifted. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's keep going. So then I you know, started taking the pain pills, Taking more, getting more, needed more, you know, and just spirals out of control. And got addicted to Adderall at the same time. Okay. Um, when did you, like, first discover in your brain that you thought pain pills might be a problem for you? So I had actually ran out of my prescription, and my ex-husband had come over, and I was so sick. I was in the mm. bathtub, and I was so sick. Mm. I was just shaking. I was puking. Acute withdrawals. And he had said... Have you taken your medication? And it was a holiday weekend. And I said, no, I haven't. I'm waiting until Monday. And he said, you need your medication. So at that time, he had called his dad that took pain pills and said, I need you to bring up some pain medication. I need to give this to her. And he gave me the pain pills. And instantly I felt that wave I'm of okay. Relief. Yep. That wave of relief. And that is the moment where I knew was I was addicted. Yep. And I had a huge problem. The physical dependency yep. had set in. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. So you get so, addicted to Adderall. So I get addicted to Adderall and um, pain pills at the same and time. And pain pills. Okay. Yeah. And it's a good combo. One will yeah. help you sleep, and one will wake you up. Terrible and, combo. And then I meant terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let's see. It was I need probably to be careful with my language. I was, you know, ten, fifteen years into that, and then I got introduced to methamphetamine, and okay. that took me on a whole nother. You know, I quit the pain pills now. So I was like, oh, I'm fine. Sure. Quit taking all that. Now I'm doing meth and alcohol. I'm kind of confused, though. 10 to 15 years from when? From 14? From, from 17. From, 17. The, car, from mm-hmm. the car accident. Right. Car accident. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So I started on meth and alcohol and just couldn't stop. Continued on Continued. meth and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when I lost everything. What does that mean? What did that look like? Lost my job, lost my home. Um, kids went to live with their dad, and I became homeless. I took off from Utah, went to Washington State, lived on the streets, and, you know, I was okay with it. For the first time in my life, I wasn't a mom. I didn't have any responsibility, and I thought it was great. Living the high life. Yep, living the high life, absolutely high life. And you look back on that now, and you wouldn't trade this for that? Oh, at For all, all the money in the world? No. Yeah. No. But I can see how that, I can see how it is mildly appealing at some right. points, right? I yeah. don't have responsibilities. I don't have bills. I yeah. don't have. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. She had a responsibility at age 14, right? I mean, yeah. that's a crazy yeah. time. So started, I started I with heavy responsibilities yeah. early. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Lost the kids. Kids wouldn't talk to me anymore. Didn't want nothing to do with me. Didn't care if I died in a ditch. Mm. You know, and that was actually words out of their mouth. Was that painful to you? Absolutely. And you medicate that away? I just. Kept using. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. To numb it more and more. Are, yeah, our feelings are shut off when we're running and gunning, right? Mm-hmm. So got about 30 seconds left in this. Out in Washington, mm-hmm. 
at what point did you decide I need help? Um, I actually had still didn't think I needed help. Um, was out running and gunning, and I had a boyfriend that was using heroin severely and decided my Lexi had called me and said, Mom, you have a choice. You can come home and be a mom or stay out of our life forever. Mm. And so I got on a plane and came back home. Right there. Right there is where we're going to put a pin in it. Thank you guys for checking out episode 85. Cassie, you're a rock star. We'll get back to her story after this 30-second break from our sponsor. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of episode number 85 of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. And uh, we are talking to our guest, Cassie Barreras. He's got a lovely story going so far, but before we get back into that, I want to mention that part two is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn. You know, it's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. Hilton Garden Inn is... Uh, Especially this time of year, man. It's super well, sunny at the yeah. Hilton Garden Inn. And warm. Year, right? And warm, right? But, <laughs> the, pool, but the pool will cool you off. So if you guys are ever traveling through southern Utah and need a place to stay, give them a quick Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn and look them up and... They have great amenities. They take really good care of their guests, and they've been really good to us. So give that a, give them a shot at your business. I actually contemplated doing this in a tank top today. Really? Because it's hot. hot. It's hot outside, man. Yeah. I mean, it's St. George in the summer, baby. Yeah. St. George, Utah. Last time I was down here, uh, you remember I I texted you, but I went to I went to play some golf in the afternoon after the after the podcast was over, or maybe the next day. I can't remember what. It was 106 or 105 that day. And I went out, and I'm like, come on, I can do that. So I went out and teed off. It was 104 when I teed off. And I got through seven holes, and I just couldn't do it anymore. It's hot. Yeah, I couldn't it's finish those hot. last two. Yeah. Uh, okay, so back to Cassie's story. So, Cassie, um, if you if you were listening to part one, Cassie's daughter has just told her Cassie's out running and gun, living on the streets of Seattle. Spokane. Spokane. And her daughter says... Mom, you can come home and be in our lives, or you can be out of our lives forever. Can, can I just, can we back up just two sure. seconds for a minute? Do whatever you want. In my mind, I kept thinking, why Spokane, Washington? Like, did you just throw a dart at a map, or like, how did you end up in Spokane? There's got to be a story behind asking. that. Yeah, there is. So I went with a friend in active addiction. So, so air quotes, friend. are we calling, <laughs> we're doing air yeah. quotes for friend? friend. Okay. Friend, <laughs> a friend at you that know? point is <laughs> anyone that will help you get drugs Exactly. Yeah. I know the type. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we had went to Washington where his family lived and went up there and were visiting. And he decided to leave me up there. So I just stayed there and kept using more and more. Hold on. So you mean it wasn't true love and it didn't work out? Yeah, absolutely not. Like your brain was were all about on the drugs. Mind altering yeah. substances. <laughs> yeah. Weird how that works. Are you trying to tell yeah. us you don't make your best decisions on, <laughs> yeah. on meth? You don't make no. the best decisions okay. on meth and alcohol. Right. Well, yeah. there's a lesson for the listeners. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, you don't make your best decisions on meth or no, alcohol. You don't. So okay. You, so you get a phone call from your daughter. Yep. She says either get back in my life or stay out or of my get life. Get out yep. of my life. She yeah. says just either be gone completely because at this point, she said it would be easier with you dead mm. and that's got a sting a it tiny did bit. and so i thought okay i'm gonna go home so i came home to utah and thought i could stay 
sober. You know, I was very much that person. I didn't believe in treatment. I didn't understand it, but I heard like, if you want to quit, you just quit. And that was the mentality I'd had my whole life. Didn't understand it. Didn't understand, you know, what recovery was. It's a mentality that everyone has. Until they don't. But, I mean, that's the common perception out there, and right. that's why there is such a stigma. As people just look at it and say, well, it's so terrible. Just stop. Right. It's just a choice. Yeah. yeah. Just, just quit it. Right. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I came home, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do this for my kids. And within two days, I was drinking. You know, but I was like, well, that's not bad yeah, because I fine. It's, it's legal. legal. I can go to the liquor store right. and go to the gas station and get it. Socially yeah. accepted. <laughs> right. Commercials everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's got to be cool. But the problem with me is when I picked up alcohol, I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like feeling drunk. So alcohol has always led me to pick up another substance. Something that mm -hmm. makes you feel a way you right. do like. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I went and was right back on meth within a couple weeks of being home. Not so easy to quit. <coughs> right? Yeah. Kind of another point that, I, that we've pointed out a hundred times, but... Your brain, everyone's brain likes different substances a little mm -hmm. bit. And you had one that you really enjoyed at this point in your life, which was right. meth. Alcohol wasn't it. Right. But even though alcohol's not it, alcohol gives you a higher chance of going back to your drug that your brain likes. <coughs> and everyone Everything. will say the same thing. Oh, I'm not a, you know, the the uh, opiate addict will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really an alcoholic or I'm not a meth head or I'm not a pot and so they'll do that, and then next thing they know, they're right back at it. Yeah. So there's an example of that. Yeah. So I decided, you know, kids were mad again, and then I went running and gunning here again. Was down in Mesquite for... Not even fair, right? It's just alcohol. Yeah. It's legal. Why? Yeah. I quit the meth. My kids are mad yeah. at me still. <laughs> well, no, she yeah. she repicked right. the meth back up. Yep. Well, Repick the okay. meth back up. They didn't get mad before the meth? But they were mad even when I was drinking. Yeah, yeah. That's what Fighting I'm saying. Fighting with the like, kids, yeah, you know. That's not fair. And I was like, well, I'm here. I'm sober. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not, using not using meth. What's your problem? Yeah. So I went and was running and gunning again in Mesquite. Was there for months at a time. Driving back and forth from Vegas to California, picking up drugs, guns, you name it. I was doing all of it. Just a chaotic, crazy life. Just chaotic, crazy you know, thought it was fine. What are you picking up guns for? Is this for bikers? This? To sell. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yep. And thought it was fine living in my van and doing all the things. And I had hooked up with somebody, um, had just gotten out of prison, and he was running from APMP. And another brilliant choice. Yeah. Brilliant idea. Yep. You know, and we were going to end up killing each other mm. or somebody else. You know, it took us 19 hours to get. Back from Mesquite to St. George, you know, oncoming traffic. For people that don't know, that's about a 45-minute drive. Yeah. Yes. To yeah. an hour, 45 yeah. minutes to an hour. Took yeah. you 19. Yeah. There 19 was, hours. There was actually 10 911 calls that had went in because, you know, we'd stop on the freeway. He dragged me out of the car. He dragged me in, you know, just chaotic. The windshield shattered at this point. But the problem was is you're in between Utah, Nevada, Arizona. So right. every time you go... Different, different officers different get cops to can't yeah. get at you. Right. Yeah. There's a there's in like a five minute, ten minute range there. You're in right. You're in Utah. Mm -hmm. You're in Arizona. You're in Nevada. Yeah. So that yeah. was in August, and at that time we made it back to St. George, and I just knew without a shadow of a doubt we were going to die. Um, APMP ended up picking him up, stopped us, picked him up, and on that day I didn't pick up meth anymore. But the problem is the meth was a blocker for my alcohol. So I couldn't physically quit drinking. I just kept drinking, and then I realized how much I was drinking. Mm. And at that moment, um, I'd went in. I saw this Lionsgate recovery on the boulevard. Mm. And I walked in, and I just said, I need help. Don't mm. know why I'm here. You know, I was, like I said before, I was very much that person that didn't believe in it. But I walked in, and it took them a month to get me a bed. And they said, keep drinking. Keep drinking, keep drinking until we get you in. And obviously, because they wanted you to so, not detox. Right. Yeah. So I just want the listeners to understand they weren't like co-signing. They're not encouraging. They're not right. encouraging right. But they don't want her. Two of the things you can die from when you detox, Doc. This is your your field. Oh, I'm okay. You're doing great. 
So benzodiazepines and alcohol can kill you if you do not come off them correctly. So right? I, I have in my experience witnessed one person have a seizure that died from the seizure. And he was an alcohol guy who had lied to us about how much alcohol he had used. Uh, that actually was, oh, no, never mind. I'm not going to talk about that. But that that was but something that happened in my experience. I've actually witnessed three seizures, but I've been treating people who have had dozens and dozens of seizures from withdrawing from alcohol and or benzodiazepines. What I'm interested in, though, Cassie, is is so you've already kind of started taking the steps to surrender. Mm-hmm. Like you're looking for help. You're looking for avenues. In that month before you actually started treatment, were you trying to slow down? Were you trying to quit on your own? Were like, or did you just continue to go hard? I was um, absolutely trying to quit. I had called my baby sister one day and I said, I'm not going to drink today. And she said, sister, you have to. And she came over. I was staying with a friend, a safe place, you know, doesn't use, doesn't drink. And she came in and I was so sick. And she said, sister, you have to drink today. And I was just crying to her. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm tired. And she, you know, she was going to nursing school and she said, if you don't drink, you're probably going to die. So she went and got me a bottle and I would just take a shot and I would cry and I would puke and I would take a shot and I would cry and I would puke. It was just miserable. And see, this is the stuff that this people don't see, right? right here. Yeah. Like we, we try to glamorize and we try to, you know what I mean? People think of drugs as just this big party. This is the kind of stuff. This is reality. This is where right. it, it ends up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When, so, so you eventually got into treatment. I'm trying to fast forward us so we can get into life and recovery today because so, I know that you're a powerhouse. <laughs> so, yeah, I went to detox and walked into Lionsgate, and I walked in, and I was like, I don't know what all this is. I didn't know anything about recovery. I didn't know anything about meetings. I didn't, you know. So super overwhelming. Super overwhelming, but I was willing to do something different, you know, and walked in and that's where it began for me started going to meetings and I still didn't understand it we went to all these different meetings there was all these people and I was like but they don't have my life they don't have this life I'm different than they are I'm different you know they don't have my story and I got a suggestion to go in and listen for the similarities not the differences oh really yeah it's a game changer interesting Turns out everyone in that meeting was there for the same exact reason, regardless of the difference. So I can tell you, I had to go into meetings for a really long time, and I would look up and keep my eyes closed, because then I could hear. Because what I was seeing, I was seeing all these happy Mm. people, smiling, you know, and I was in this miserable, I didn't know how to live life, I didn't know how to live life without a substance, you know, had lost my kids, had lost everything, and you go into these meetings, and they're sharing all this great stuff, and I... I just couldn't relate. I'm glad but, you said that because I, th- I feel like the way media portrays fellowship meetings is like there's a coffee pot. Everybody's super sad. You know, somebody stands up and does the lingo and you know, it's like it's not. Right. A lot of times it's upbeat. It's yeah. happy. It's people yeah. getting their lives back. Yeah. You know, and I seen people hugging and, you know, what, all this stuff. And I was just like, what are these people doing? What are they doing? You know, where's I the just, drugs? Yeah. Where's the alcohol? Yeah. There's got to be some here. And that's really what I thought. I thought they're, they've got to be drinking or doing something on the weekend. You but know, they're happy. They're on. Yeah. Math, right. right. For sure. <laughs> so I went into meetings and I just started listening for the similarities. And still to this day, you know, if I'm in that place, I just I'll just look up and just listen because then I can listen because I don't see, you know, these people, I just hear my story and then I can relate. And it helped me tremendously. I love that. You like eliminated one sense to amplify another. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. So I, you know, I really just went into meetings, um, went into, everybody said, get a sponsor. And I was like, yeah, right. What's another woman going to do for me? I don't need a sponsor. <laughs> I don't need a sponsor. <laughs> You know, but I was willing to do, um, actually, Jared had said it to me in treatment, and I had never heard it before. He said, you know, you only have to change one thing. And I said, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, okay, tell me that one thing. And I'll never forget when he said, that one thing is everything. (laughs) And 
it was one of those punch, aha moments. Punch, and, punch him in the face, Nick. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have it written in my journal from early recovery. And it really was true. And so I went out from, you know, um, Lionsgate and I thought, okay, I'm going to do everything different. And so that's what I did. I went and got a sponsor and I actually did the steps just to prove to my counselor that it wasn't going to work. Sure, sure. You know? Just, I was like, just oppositional shit, defiance. It's not going to work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. I'm yeah. going to work the steps because I know I'll be able to prove to them that that's not yeah. for me. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, you work the steps then. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, went in and wow, what an amazing experience it truly was. And having a sponsor, you know, the greatest gift is when my life was on fire and my life has been a few times in my sobriety, you know, losing my child. Six months after that, we found out my mom had stage four pancreatic cancer, um, just buried my mom, you know, so it, in my two years of my sobriety, I buried my child and my mother. But the greatest gift was is that I've been able to show up sober. Mm. I've been able to do it with no mind-altering substance mm. in my body. And having a sponsor and group of people that I can reach out to and let you know exactly where I'm at, you know, has been incredible. My sponsor knows when I haven't had enough sleep. She knows when I haven't drank enough water. You know, she just knows. <laughs> she lights me up. You know, she keeps me in it. You know what I find oh. cool is the ripple effect. Like, you never truly know the full extent of the ripple effect. Mm. You know, I, I'm Cassie did the work. And so almost three years ago, I worked at Lionsgate as a tech, and I've kind of worked my way up in the, the field of um, addiction and recovery. But just something simple that you share with somebody mm-hmm. that can help change them. Now, Cassie's sitting here three years later. She's experienced the death of one of her children, mm-hmm. the death of her mom. And she knows how to walk through those experiences and stay sober, stay clean, right? Mm-hmm. So now when other people who are going through a hard time go through those experiences and they need somebody, she hopefully can be there to help them. I mean, just the, the ripple effect in my mind, it's crazy, sure, right? You know, this part that has touched me and impressed me the most is the fact that she got clean and sober and her daughter got to see that, Absolutely. right? So your daughter dies a tragic death but is proud of her mom. Right. That's the coolest That's the coolest gift right there. You got her. You got her. That's the coolest gift. It really is. Yeah. You know, and I, I got in a place, you know, I want to share that a few weeks ago I went into my job and I was just, you know, going through life and – it's crazy how life just goes on without them, you know? And here I am living this beautiful life in sobriety. You know, I have a great relationship with my kids. I have an amazing man in my life. He has his recovery. I have my recovery. And we just built this beautiful home together. And I got in this place where I wonder if Lexi's proud or if she's mad. Like, you know, is she mad that I'm just living this happy, healthy life? Mm-hmm. And I was struggling, you know, last week and I reached out and I told people at work and I reached out to my sponsor and people in recovery and said, you know, I just don't know how to do this right now. And it's crazy how all of a sudden something will come into your life. And because I'm very active in recovery, my phone rings and it's women that are the age of my daughter, you know, and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And even though I don't have my little girl, I have other women that are her age that I get to be an example to, and I get to walk through things. And, you know, I always say, even the times that I've wanted to use and pick up, I can tell you going through all this, there was days I just wanted to sleep, and Mm. I know a substance will help me sleep. Sure. But I've never woke up the next day regretting waking up sober. If I just wake up on my pillow sober and get to my pillow sober, that's my goal every day. And sometimes that meant going to bed at noon because I was in a really bad spot. But I always let people know where I'm at. The pillow thing is something I use all the time. I always tell patients to, to, all you have to do is go to bed tonight and lay your head on the pillow and don't drink or drug between now and then. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything other than that. And... So uh, it's I interesting. Can also, I can also relate to to the feeling of 
um, confusion around mm-hmm. like, okay, my life's great. Things are good. Does this mean that I love my daughter less because I'm not still mourning? Right. Does this mean that, you know, somehow, but in my story, grief and loss is a big, a big part. And one thing that I constantly have to remind myself is the amount of time I grieve isn't equivalent to the amount of love I have for that person. Right. Whether I oh, grieve I for that. a week or whether I grieve for 10 years, it's never going to equate to the amount of love that I have for that individual. Right. And if, when we think about it, would those people want us to be sad? Would they want us to? a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you feel any degree of guilt over the fact that now you have this beautiful life and you have this beautiful home and your daughter didn't get to be in that? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where I was stuck last week. I was stuck in that morbid reflection, mm-hmm. you know, and just thinking. What brings you out of that? How'd you get out of that? Or are you out of that? Um, how I get out of it is getting out of self, okay. helping others, okay. you know, Beautiful. and and sharing with people where I'm at, being honest with people. It might not make sense, but if it's in my head and I don't share about it, you know, I my counselor would always say our disease keeps inflating. Mm-hmm. And until I deflate my disease and let somebody know where I'm at, nobody can help. And, you know, the greatest, the coolest thing was that day when I was really struggling, my daughter-in-law that I have a great relationship with, she sent me a picture of a sunset and she said, this sunset reminds me of Lexi. Her and Lexi were best friends. And I said, wow, that's beautiful. And she said, man, I just miss her. And her exact words to me were, isn't it crazy how life just goes on without them? Mm -hmm. And I just started crying and I said, you know, that's so awesome that you're saying this to me right now because I've been in that place. I'm angry at myself that I wasted so much Mm -hmm. time from my children. You know, we always think that tomorrow will come. Some days it doesn't. And now I have, I'm the mom and the grandma and the woman that I've always intended to be. But my kids didn't get to fully, you know, Lexi didn't get to fully experience that. But she is experiencing that. I was going to say, can you, can you, I don't know your belief system, but she's got a pretty nice home right now. She does. She's living in a really nice house. (laughs) That she does. Like it's pretty lovely where she's at. She's not mad that, She's not at your house, which yeah. is lovely, but yeah, she's in a great place. It, it if true. that's your belief system and it is mine, like this is you all know, this whole thing is temporary. That thing is forever. And I think watching my other two kids, you know, my son, he actually called me last week and said, "Hey, mom, you want to come babysit crew?" I went down there to Arizona. I'm allowed in his house by myself. Mm. I'm allowed to watch my grandchildren mm. by myself, and that helps me realize you know my little 17 year old she's going to college now she's in college courses and she says mom I'm so proud of you you know my daughter-in-law says Lexi is so proud of you you know so having that and keeping my family tight and just having those conversations really takes me out isn't it cool how sorry go ahead you're fine you started isn't it cool how like life just continues to get better Absolutely. Like we were mm-hmm. talking a little bit before the podcast and not, I mean, things are still hard. You still have challenges, yeah. but like looking back, I'm sure for you from that year one, when you were going through that hard time, mm-hmm. the person you were then compared to the person you are now, completely different person. Yeah. Completely different person. You know, and the thing I had to realize is I had to be able to sit with myself. I had to be willing to do the work with myself to have any of that growth. If I'm not really willing to do that work, there's no growth, you know, and I couldn't imagine not doing the work on myself and having that experience to keep growing, you know, because today I have a beautiful life and the colors, there were so many colors I started seeing when I got sober, but now they're more vibrant. I'm glad that you said that because recovery is an inside job. It's an internal job. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Doc? Um, well, what I was going to say is, some of the things that you mentioned that you have mentioned just recently as blessings, you only get to realize what a great blessing they are if you've had those things removed, mm. right? The rest of the world can take for granted the fact that they get to go visit their grandkids and be in the house by themselves. And so they look at that and they think, well, that's no big deal. It's a big deal if you've ever had that thing removed. Absolutely. And that gets us to a place where we can be grateful for the small things because we a lot of people coast through life and just take the small things for granted. 
we get to be grateful about those things. Yes. And they seem like huge blessings to mm-hmm. us if they've been removed from us before. Yes. So yeah. I've just gotta say, I've really enjoyed gratitude. this episode yeah. this week. Like we did we spent hardly any time in the problem and we spent the majority of the time in the solution. It's been awesome. Well, it's a great story though too, right? I mean, there's just there's beauty and there's heartache and there's tragedy and there's sunsets and there's i mean it's so great what a great story with the last little time that we have left though cassie i'd really like for you to speak to the listener who maybe is struggling in early recovery maybe experienced the death of a loved one like what what advice or or what words would you have for that individual um to reach out you know it's incredible when you reach out and let somebody know where you're at pick up the phone you know i know that phone feels like a 900 pound gorilla <laughs> but it gets lighter you know each time you pick it up and there's been so many times where I was struggling and I was in that place where I didn't know if I was going to pick up that day or not and my phone would ring so it's not just about you you might be saving somebody else and getting them out of something you know it's yeah pick up the phone because you're not alone we don't have to do this alone that's it's why it's, it's a we program it's a simple step recover. but it's super difficult for people yeah. to do you just got to do that one thing you got to do mm-hmm. one thing and that is let somebody else in yep open up and say i got a problem i got it yeah. i need some help yep and have the courage to do that yeah, yeah. yep it's awesome hard. beautiful episode thanks for having me thanks for being here you're appreciate a freaking it. rock star that was, that was a great guys. episode thank you Thank you very much, and all the we wish you all the luck and success in the world because you deserve that. Thank You've you. been through the rest of the crap. You deserve beauty Thank now. You. Thanks. Lexi would be very proud of you. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, okay, Jared. everybody, thanks for listening. We do Recover with Jared Miller, episode number 85. We'll be back next week. Say we'll good, see you then. Say goodbye, Jared. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.